Amen. Another fantastic thing. Tanner, if you could keep playing real quick, we might as well just stay in the moment, right? I, uh, before the kids go downstairs, um, I'll just call on the spot. Nate, do you mind uh, praying for these boxes as we're sending them off? Sure. You can come up there too, Charlie. We love it. If you guys don't mind, let's send our hands out there as he leaves us in prayer. Dear Lord, what a mighty thing um, all of us have done and just uh, taking not only our time but our hearts, our spirits, our minds to uh, bless these children with gifts. Uh, so many days we go through the world and uh, we just don't appreciate these things, but these kids who are receiving these things that are blessings from us, may it just guide their hearts and just bring them closer to you and just let them enjoy these things, these wonderful things that are in the boxes. and. Uh, may they get there safely and to that right person, like that girl that just wanted a barrette. Uh, she received that barrette. And may these students, or maybe not students, I'm not teaching, may these just individuals receive these things uh, with your blessing. Thank you, Lord, for all you do for not only my family, but all the families throughout the world. Thank you for your service. Thank you for everything. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. all the kiddos nine and under they got some great stuff for you downstairs amen when God calls you any anybody think you got a call I think when I when I say that word when God calls you you think of different uh, things like pastoring uh, you know I was called to the ministry I was called to do this but I want us to look holistically at what the call of God is for our life. Why don't you turn real quick to Hebrews chapter 11. We'll talk about the father of faith. His name was Abraham. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 through 11. And I don't know if you guys know this or not, but Abraham did not have the title pastor in front of him. Did you guys know that? He wasn't Pastor Abraham. And he didn't have a, he wasn't a career minister. You know that. Isn't that crazy? You know, we had you we, we were raised in a church, and I was raised in this concept many times. You have your secular and the sacred. That's kind of what we end up happening. It's wrong thinking, it's wrong, it's wrong um, processes in our life because what it does for us is it puts us on the sidelines, doesn't it? Because we we default, because we say, Well, I'm not called. Well, I want you to know today that you're called, and I believe it's very imperative for us to understand wherever we are in life, that no matter what you do, um, it's an important part of what God's call is. And if you can look at it that way, then whatever you do, the menial task. Martin Luther said, when we truly understand the call and where God has us, and that if all of our steps are ordained to the Lord, he said, then a man changing a baby's diaper becomes a very holy moment. You think about that for a moment. You think about all of these things that we do and how we write ourselves off. How many of you, you've written yourself off before? Turn to somebody and say, you need to get back in the game. We write ourselves off because we don't feel called. This has nothing to do with anything. If I am stripped of this church, if this church collapses, if somehow some strange, crazy event happens and we never meet back in this building again, it doesn't stop what God does in Steve Lapp. It doesn't matter where you're at or what you do. 
You are called in that moment to do what God's assigning you to. Let's turn real quick, if you're there, Hebrews 11, uh, uh, verse 8, that says, It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. Sounds pretty amazing, isn't it? And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child. Though she was barren and was too old, she believed that God would keep his promise. I want you to know today that God calls everyone. Let's open in prayer as we dive into this. Lord, I thank you for your call on everyone's life here today, Jesus. That it's not a call to, quote, ministry. It's not a call to go to Africa necessarily. It's a call to simply obey you every step of the way in our life. It's a call, Lord, for us to simply say, God, I surrender my heart to you right now where I'm at. I give it all to you and allow you to call me out to new things. Lord, I just pray, God, that your word would go forth and that it would not return void. God, I thank you that you're accomplishing things and that you have many promises that you've spoken to each and every one of us individually, God, that we're going to unearth by understanding that you've called us. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said. God calls everyone, not just a select few that have passed the test, not just a select few that understand Hebrew and Greek. You know, you don't even have to know this Bible to be called. You can be the most illiterate person in the world and never open up a Bible, and God is not any less powerful in that moment. Isn't that really neat about God? Isn't it powerful we see, you know, I think about the Samaritan's purse and everything, and that little girl who understood English, and you know what, she accepted a call in that moment, and she started reading that little Bible to all of the ones in her family, and none of them understood how to read, and yet they were called, and they were drawn to God, and they were doing things that was so amazing and spiritual in their life. And that's where we need to understand, that's where we do need to become holistic in the call of God for our life. I'm not saying God might not call specifically to do things. I sensed the call of God for me to pastor when I was 15. But that didn't change the dynamic of the simple obedience that Steve was required. How many of you know you can be a pastor and still be a bump on a log? Anybody ever met any bump on a log pastors before? You can still be a So what? You're a pastor. So what? Turns around and says, So what? That doesn't give you anything. I don't give my card to God in heaven and say, Boy, it's really nice to finally meet you. Here's my business card. I'm Pastor Steve Lapp. I'm Pastor. Did you know the pastor of Turning Point Church, Scott? It all gets burned in the fire. And what lays bare now is my heart before God when I come into His presence. And at that day, when I come before the Lord, He's going to say, Did you accept my call for your life? Did you see? Well, yeah, I preach the sermon every day. No, no, that's not the call, Steve. And so today, 
I talked to the plumber. I talked to the electrician. I talked to the stay-at-home mom. I talked to the window cleaner. Who's a window cleaner here today? (laughs) Dougie, that's right, Dougie. I talked to the retiree. I talked to all these people, and I said, you are called. When God calls you, here's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to get ready to get off your hind pots. Because there will be a movement in you, spiritually, emotionally, and dare I say physically, for you to get moving with the Lord. It doesn't mean necessarily that you will go off to theological school. It doesn't mean you will even change jobs or vocations. It doesn't mean you will change any of that. What you will change is this. Here's how the script changes. Is that you will respond to God and you will start to deal with your day differently than you did before. When you're plugging those things in, when you're dealing with children, when you're washing windows, when you're doing janitor, when you're teaching children, when you're singing, whatever you can think of, you're doing it as under the Lord and you're saying, God, what's your purpose in it for me right now? What's your purpose? And you'll wake up again. You won't just say, I'm looking forward to Friday again. My work is so stupid and my boss, oh my gosh, he doesn't understand You will be happy at work. You will be driven. You will be successful because the journey you're on is the call of God for your life. Stephen Goodyear wrote this, but beware about this calling. They may not lead us where we intended to go or even where we want to go. If we choose to follow, we may have to be willing to let go of life we already planned and accept whatever is waiting for us. And if that calling is true... Though we may not have gone where we intended, we will surely end up where we needed to be. See, this calling and where God's going to take you is probably, without a shadow of a doubt, not where you planned. Can we get that straight? Abraham was in the land of Ur. He was very successful, very wealthy. He was very well known. The land of Ur was a land that was full of gods and all sorts of things. And he said, you need to leave your family because I am separating from that and I am bringing you to a new place. He gave him promises down the road. At that time, his name was Abram. And you think about what he had to do. He had to pick up and he had to reestablish some things in his mind and in his heart and say, I am going to a place that I don't even understand where I'm going right now. How many of you, you know, you walk with the Lord and you say, I have no clue where I'm going. It's a good place to be. It's a place of faith. See, all of us want things figured out. We want our call figured out. We want what we're doing. What's my purpose? I hate that so often where we just, what's my purpose? Your purpose in life is to obey God. Every step of the way, you'll find purpose in that. And you think, man, when I was struggling through my call in ministry, how I was wanting to define ministry and how I was wanting to impact the world, folks, I had a different plan of attack. This story is getting old now, but I'm telling you that for me, I struggled with my window cleaning profession because they said, who in their right mind ministers and just washes windows? I'm supposed to be full-time, yada, yada. You've heard the story. But God calls us and has us do things. And when you jump on the journey with him, I am telling you, you will start to enjoy your life. I don't care what your age, I don't care how much money you make, you will start to enjoy the calling of God in your life. It's time to get excited about your trip. Hit someone with with your elbow real quick and say, are you excited about your trip yet? Some of us go on our road trips with the Lord and we're not too excited about them. I used to not like getting in the car and driving. I'm starting to like it more, especially after we went to California. I enjoyed that road trip. My kids made it really enjoyable. They were awesome. 
on that trip. It was a lot of fun. But I tell you, there are some times where we get in behind the steering wheel of life, and before we've even started anything, before we've started our day and walking in the Lord and being obedient, we have already dreaded the day before we've even begun. Jesus, by the way, in his journey in life, his calling was to do one thing, to die for the sins of man. When he came to earth, that was it. He was born to die. Jesus, knowing what was to do and continued on his journey, it says this, that he continued on his journey for the joy that was set before him. The joy that was set before him. He knew the destination and where he was going. I believe some things that we have to do in seeking after God. Augustine, in book one of Confessions, says, You have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. See, Abraham, Abraham, with all of his power, with all of his success, and with all of his wealth, he still needed something deeper and greater than that. I don't care if you're an atheist, agnostic, seeker, whatever you are, but there's one thing that we understand is, you know what, you get to that place in life where you're just trying to figure out what this life is all about and what my purpose is in life, and you know what, God finds that, and Augustine said it, you have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they find a rest in you. As Guinness writes, our human desire can go wrong in two ways. When we stop desiring anything outside ourselves and fall for the pathetic illusion that we are sufficient in ourselves. How many of you see America right now sufficient in itself right now? Or we desire such things as fame and riches and beauty and wisdom and in human love that are as finite as we are and thus unworthy of our absolute devotion. What calling is all about, it's not you getting to a certain point of arrival, if you will, and finally I'm here. Because no matter what happens for me, as long as I'm alive here on earth, God's going to have something new for me to do. God's going to have something for me to go after. As long as you're breathing on earth, God has something for you to go after and attain. And that biggest thing is going after Christ and following after him. Jesus said to his disciples and all those out there, follow me. Let's get one thing straight when it comes to our success-driven society, our self-help gospel. Aren't you about sick of it yet? The self-help gospel, this kind of a little bit of me and a little bit of God and somehow there's success there. You need to get everything of you out of this whole equation. <laughs> That's the whole story of grace. Um, we can't fix or we will make the necessary changes on our own effort. Turn real quick to Isaiah chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. This is where we, our lives were before Christ. Isaiah chapter 1. I'm going to read the message. It's actually uh, out of the Message Bible as you're reading along with me, so it's going to be a little different than what you're seeing in your Bibles. But it says, Why bother even trying to do anything with you when you just keep your bullhead ways? You keep beating your heads against brick walls. Everything within you protests against you from the bottom of your feet to the top of your head. Nothing's working right. Anybody ever felt like that before? Wounds and bruises and running sores untended, unwashed, and unbandaged. Come, 
sit down, let's argue this out. This is God's message. If your sins are blood red, they will be snow white. If they're red like crimson, they will be like wool. If you're willingly obey, you'll feast like kings. But if you're willful and stubborn, you'll die like dogs. That's right. God says so. Folks, God chose you when it comes to this calling. You didn't choose God. Turn to someone and say, you didn't choose God. You know, we think of God like this multiple choice thing. And in my time, God, I'll get to it. And, you know, maybe next year or whatever, or next week, and I just got to work on these things and focus on these things. And then I'll just get into this God thing. I want to tell you that seeking after God and doing as Abraham did, the father of the faith, it's an extremely radical change of position in our mind and our mentality. God is not some kind of crutch. He's not some kind of place thing that we put as a part of the forecast of our life. He is our all in all. He's our our strength. He's everything. God says he chose me and you. He did a rescuing. He did the saving. He did the healing. He did the repairing for all time. Os Guinness writes, we cannot even find God without God. You know that? We cannot reach God without God. We cannot satisfy God without God, which is another way of saying that our seeking will always fall short unless God's grace initiates the search and unless God's call draws us to Him and completes the search. Folks, we can't even repent without the gift of repentance. We can't do anything of ourselves. And what religion has drawn the focus off of Religion draws the focus off of the grace of God and the beauty of the cross, and it focuses and places all the energy on the person, what they say, what they do, what they gave, what they sang, how high they jumped. God calls Abram. I don't know what he said when he called him. But it triggered something to Abram and said, all of this doesn't even matter anymore. You know, that's why there's markings for believers. You know a tree by its fruit, the Bible says. That's how come when you see a believer, you'll know a believer because you see them moving. Not a religious person, not a church-going folk. We've got plenty of those. We've got lots of people in church on Sunday mornings. Church is a very still, wildly successful place to be on Sundays. And the world is okay with that. God and his deliverance versus our own willpower. Watchman Nee wrote, We know man is not delivered by exercising his will. When he is using his willpower, he is unable to trust God's way of deliverance. Have you ever noticed when God calls you and brings you out of places, he's providing deliverance and he starts doing things that that are completely weird to you? Like, God, how is this going to work out? How is this going to take place? How is this all going to come together? We look at our own homes, and we look at finances, we look at whatever we want to look at, and we say, God, how is it just all going to make out? How is it all going to work out? How is it all going to place itself together? And he says, trust my deliverance. You know, whenever God delivered people and brought people out of situation, he used really crazy things. And we talked about Moses striking the rock and providing water for all the people. One person who's blind, Jesus decides, well, I'm going to spit on some mud and make some clay for your eyes. Now, Jesus did crazy things to get us into the situations we were supposed to go to. Developing a desperation in our search is so imperative. Turn real quick to Mark chapter 10. We look at the story of blind Bartimaeus accepting the call. 
One of my favorite stories in the Bible of desperation. The key to accepting the call, too, is being a little thirsty for some change. If you're going to treat Christ with indifference, don't think that anything's going to change in your life. If you're going to be indifferent towards the gospel and you're not going to place your life in the middle of it, there won't be change. It will take radical obedience on your part. Mark 10:46. Jesus heals blind Bartimaeus. Then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. Now, just picture this right now. If you could just picture in your seats, and we're listening to Jesus talk, and all of a sudden this guy comes down the middle of our, our, uh, our cute little sanctuary here. Think of this. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The crowd replied, be quiet, and many of the people yelled at him, but he only shouted louder, Son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. And so they called the blind man, cheer up, they said, come on, he's calling you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and he came to Jesus. And Jesus asked this question, and this is what he'll ask every one of us. What do you want me to do for you? My rabbi, the blind man, said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go, for your faith has healed you. Instantly the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. I want you to know this desperation in our search. Jesus preached in John 7:37, and he shouted. In fact, the verbiage and the Greek in that is the same type of tenacity as blind Bartimaeus here. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Max Lucado wrote this about the traditional rabbinic teaching here. He said the traditional rabbinic teaching posture was sitting and speaking. Good thing I'm not a rabbi. (laughs) But Jesus stood there and he shouted out. The blind man shouted, appealing for sight. The sinking Peter shouted, begging for help. And the demon-possessed man shouted, pleaded for mercy. John uses the same Greek verb to portray the volume of Jesus' voice. Forget a kind of clearing of the throat. God was pounding his gavel in heaven's bench. Christ demanded attention. And you know what the God's call? He demands your attention. He demands my attention. You know, don't we have the greatest attention deficit disorders in the world? Right now, where we are in our society, me and Steve, we're talking about that, and Nate, we're talking about just how we communicate what we do. We have so many forms of communication right now, but we are communicating in less depth than we ever have had. Do you know why? Because everything's important now. Nothing is, nothing is sacred. Everything's important. We don't have sacred time for church anymore because, well, it doesn't really matter anymore and God's everywhere and I don't need church. We don't have have a sacredness in our relationships with people, you know, your friends that you would would just hang with and then those who are close to you. You know, Jesus hung out with a lot of people. Wouldn't you agree? But you know where his inner circle was? He had 12 men that he poured his life into at the campfire. 
And you know, for us and where we are in our life, you know, our texting and talking and all these kinds of things, you can have conversations with people, and people are... We're talking about dinner time for people, communication. And I want, I, I'm not going to put this to rest because we need to develop better habits. Amen. We need to get back where we are at and what situation are. She, she's already annoyed by it all. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Mark and I can do that. You can punch me later. We do all those kinds of things. We practice obedience and our lives get interrupted. Folks, do you know what happens with our call and the situations off for our life? Is that we get interrupted, don't we? We're going down the straight and narrow, and God's calling us and doing things, and we're really excited about it. And then all of a sudden, out on this side of the year, we hear something, and we're attracted to it, we're stimulated by it, and we completely change paths, and we say, well, this will work for me now. And that's where we get into moral relativism now in our communities and where we are. Not, there is no truth. There is no situation where we say, that's total truth. We say, well, there's all sorts of different truths. So we become indifferent to the Word of God. Isn't it funny how people are with truth now? Two people get in their opinions and they're like, well, that's your opinion. But then when something changes and it flips on them, that's the most important thing and that's what they need because it's their personal truth and you better abide by my truth. Here's the neat thing with God and his call is this is the truth. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father but by me. God wants your attention. Turn to me and say, does God have your attention? I think we need to put things down. Practically speaking, you want to hear God's voice. You know, one of the things that I've re-picked up very recently, so it's not something I've been practicing forever, but when you talk about practicing the presence of God, is I have actually started to write again. My wife will journal, and she's very good at writing her prayers and writing those things down, and I didn't do that very much. And you know what? I really, just to focus my thoughts, Steve Lapp started writing his prayers down, writing my thoughts down. And it's been amazing because God's, Speaking in that, isn't it amazing? God talks. So start writing, writing things down. Let me give you some pragmatics about getting God's attention. Do you know one of the things uh, Steve Martin, they were talking about, he's a banjo player now. You know Steve Martin, the comedian, is an amazing banjo player, right? And he gave the thing for the person who really wants to pick up that guitar and, and play. He said one of the things he said as a, as a guitar player, he said, I stress you to do, it's a really simple thing. He said, get your guitar out of the case. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> but it's true because, you know, my son has been working on his guitar and stuff, and he keeps asking for a guitar stand, and we need to get him a guitar stand. You have to physically do something, and we start creating more steps. Folks, I'm going to challenge you, too. If your Bible is important to you and hearing God's voice is going to be important to you, you need to put your Bible in a place where you won't forget about it. You need to put it somewhere and create habits. You know exactly where your coffee maker is, folks. You know where your toothbrush is. You know where your deodorant is. And we chuckle at these things, but there is nothing spiritual about this other than the focus of creating new habits and saying, God, if your word's going to mean something to me, I'm going to have to get it out of the dresser drawer, off the bookshelf, out from underneath the laundry basket, and I want to treat this like you want to speak to me. God can't grab your attention. And folks, although that was a great moment, and Moses got the burning bush experience, I want you to think about this, it required a burning bush to get Moses' attention. 
He was 40 years in the desert, shepherding, thinking that nothing was going to change in his life. And God called him. And folks, I am thankful for burning bushes, but I want to be able to also hear the still small voice daily in my life that says, God's calling me, he's allowing me, he wants me to focus on this and change this pattern and go after this and pray for that person. Don't you want that? It's going to require that we don't text God anymore. Cute little short versions of text to God. We need to get into a conversation with him once again. In fact, one of the greatest platform stories of conversations with God's calling, really quick, and this will be one of our last scriptures, is 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 10. I got a lot of favorite stories in my This is another one. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 10. Samuel had been dedicated to the temple. His mom, who was barren, said, Lord, if you give me my son... I will dedicate him all the days of his life to the house of the Lord. When he's of age, he gets given to the temple. He serves under the priest. And all of a sudden, God starts speaking. And there was three different times. And on the third time, all of a sudden, Samuel was laying in bed and he said, Samuel! Runs to the priest. The priest was asleep. He's like, no, go back to bed. No one's talking. It happens again. You say anything? Nope. And the priest had some wisdom there, and he said, listen, he said, when he calls again, say, Lord, here I am. You know, I'm willing. And he speaks to him. 1 Samuel 3.10 is the culmination of this. In fact, why don't we go back to verse Samuel. Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. So the Lord called a third time. And once more Samuel got up and went to Eli, and here I am. Did you call me? Then Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, go and lie down again. If someone calls again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed, and the Lord came and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, I am about to do a shocking thing in Israel. Do you know what's so amazing in our lives? Folks, I am telling you, if you want God to speak, He is not going to share space with anyone in your life. He's not going to share space with anything of any kind of value to you. God is simply saying, I want every space of your heart. I want everything about you. I want your life to be hidden with me. I want to speak to you. And you know what? This little boy, he says, I'm going to do a shocking thing in Israel. When you open your mind and when you open your heart to the things of God, he will share some pretty amazing things to you. He will share with you and he will show you great and mighty, th- mighty things which you don't know about yet. Why don't we close our eyes for a moment? Os Guinness in his book, The Call, had some challenging questions that he presents in one of the chapters. And he says, do you want to accept a challenge that will be the integrating dynamic of your whole life? One thing that will engage your loftiest thoughts, your most dedicated exertions, your deepest emotions, and all your abilities and resources to the last step, in the last breath you breathe. 
Listen to Jesus of Nazareth and answer his call. Folks, this call that God is going to call every one of us to will take every ounce of energy. It will take every breath you breathe. This is not just localized to a church name or a building or a special spiritual person you think that has been endowed with some magical powers and has this calling that you never got. And you get to go back to your humdrum job and leave all the spiritual stuff to the spiritual gurus. Here's what I present to you today today and the possibilities that are there. Is that if you choose to open your heart up, God will speak. And if you choose to accept his call and obey it, God's going to do some shocking things through you at your work. God will do some amazing things through you at school. He will do some amazing things to you and for you in relationships. He will call you to places that you never dreamed possible. Now, for many in the church, we've lied dormant. And we've given up on a call because we've defined the call with certain parameters. When Abraham was called, he was moved out of his place of comfort and he made himself available to be used of God and he received the promise by faith. And today, right now, you don't call God, God calls you And with that said, you can accept that by faith. Today, this message isn't a salvation call. This is a call to allow God to work within the normal context of your life. And allow that space to become holy and allow God to use you where you're at. Today, maybe God spoke to you through this message. And you say, you know what, Steve? I've been awakened, and God is speaking some things in my heart, and I'm convicted of some things, and I need to follow in obedience. I have sat by too long, and God is calling me to exert some energy and to get up and move in it. Today, if that's you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, you say, yep, I accept that call. Why don't you raise your hand today? I want to pray with you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Why don't we pray this prayer together, acknowledging the work that's going on in our heart. Jesus, I thank you for calling me right where I'm at. I choose today to respond. It may be uncomfortable. I may have to make some changes, but I'm choosing to obey over sacrificing. Thank you for the new things that you're about to show me. I open my mind, I open my heart to your possibilities. I thank you for promises that I'm going to receive as I focus only on you. I trust you, God, with this call that you've given to me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we thank you today 
that it's very precious that you call us and that you move us to places and that you shift our thoughts. Holy Spirit, we just pray that as there is some shifting going on, allow that shift to happen within the four walls of our church. We accept the challenge, Father. We do realize that it's going to take every breath. It's going to take every ounce of energy. It's going to take every penny that we have. Not just a portion, not just a wedge of the pie, but this call is completely every part of our life. It's not sacred and secular. It's not church and not church. It's our whole lives. God, may we be a witness to you and a witness to the world, Lord Jesus, of, of the effects of that call in our life. I thank you for calling people today, Jesus. And may there be Samuel-type experiences, Father, as we lay aside all these distractions and allow you to move us to places we never dreamed possible. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, God bless you, folks. You're called ones. You can't blame me anymore. I love you guys very much. And as you accept that daily call, you're going to have a, a whistle-why-you-work mentality, won't you? Amen. So I love you guys very much. Thank you for the fantastic weekend. It's amazing what God's going to do for those shoeboxes. Bless you much. Don't forget your stuff next Sunday as we get into the Thanksgiving baskets. God bless you real good.